Hello, everybody. This is Alfonso from Studio Comics, creator of Night Spike, and feature on the movie Here's Manufactured. And right now, you are listening. We got the geek. We Got the Geek is recorded before a live studio audience. All right, it's Jay Stu, and I'm here with my good friend Colin. Hello. And uh, we've convened here at Tim Hortons first thing in the morning. A few nights ago, we were lucky enough to go to Kitchener at the uh, center in the square to see uh, a couple 90s bands, uh, Crash Test Dummies and Graves of Wrath. And uh, we have our thoughts on the show, I guess. And I wrote down some points here of stuff I researched afterwards. So, basically, um, four of the original members of the band got back together. Uh, Brad Roberts, Ellen Reed, Dan Roberts, who was the bass player, and Mitch Dorge on drums. Uh, the one guy, I don't remember his name, Benjamin Darville, maybe? Harmonica player, he didn't come back. And uh, I'll be honest, he was missed a couple times on some of the songs, I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. He did add some flavor to it. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the venue itself. It was our first time going to this place. And uh, it's a nice theater atmosphere. I thought the acoustics were really good. The sound was good. And it was, uh, there wasn't, the, as far as visibility goes, there weren't any bad seats there. Yeah. Um, everything was, yeah, it was nice. There was no concerns there. I didn't. Not really. Beer was a little expensive. Well, that's everywhere. Yes, now. I know, but that's the only thing I can say. <laughs> Parking wasn't even that bad. It was only eight dollars. Yeah, and real easy. Yeah, so we took the first spot when we pulled in. <laughs> yeah, so that was cool. And uh, do you want to talk about the, the opening band and all Graves of Wrath? Well, you and I, not being huge Graves of Wrath fans, even though um, I do own their CDs from the '90s, I did realize, like you, that I knew pretty much every song they did. So. Yeah. And it was, it was, I guess, kind of background music in the 90s. Nothing really jumped up and bit up at me that I had to like, pursue yeah. it. But I I do remember everything they did. And they, they played very well together. They were, uh, everything sounded solid and, and tight. Yeah, good three-piece, man. Yeah, I didn't notice anything, any flaws at all, actually. So. Yeah, it hit me. Probably the reason I knew as much as I did was because of much music back when they were playing videos in the day. Yeah. Because I recognize a lot of the Olsen. Didn't know any of the new stuff because they had a new album out, I guess. Yeah. But, no, it was uh, it was good. It was a good double bill, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, so as far as Crash This Dummies goes, I know you've gotten to see them once before, like 28 years ago? Yeah, right when Superman's song was making its head. Yeah. Headway. I guess it's, it's a... Maybe not so much as a comparison, because you saw them in a club 28 years ago, but what was it like compared to that experience? I noticed that the the energy back 20 years ago was, like, right there, because they were just coming out, right? And uh, so they were great. I remember him doing the one cover uh, Brad Roberts did, uh, uh, Take Your Gun, Don't Take Your Guns to Town by Johnny Cash. And it was uh, it was epic. It was it was really good. Hideaway was a really really good venue for the show, and um, yeah, and of course we had the harmonica player too. But I mean, it yeah. was it was a really it was a really good rock and show. I noticed this time a little uh, some changes, obviously, because they didn't have the one member, and yeah. also um, they used to 
add a lot of flavor when De- when uh, Brad Roberts would, would be on guitar, but unfortunately, due to an auto accident, he won't be playing the guitar any, anytime soon. So he was basically just singing and then dancing, which was still good. And you, the could, show was you good. could tell at times that he wanted to be playing guitar because he was doing the, the hand motions yeah. a lot during the song. Yeah, I think it was 2005 or something. He had a bad car accident and uh, was unable to play. And whenever I'd seen him on live up after that point, I always saw a guitarist playing with him and accompanying him and I thought well, what the, you know what the hell right because I didn't know anything about the car accident so I'm thinking what are we just uh, just singing now like uh, but unfortunately but you know what like if, if you weren't watching for that you wouldn't have noticed that like no it was just something I noticed because you know because I'd seen it before and because I was a fan but I mean from an audio point of view you wouldn't have noticed it missing at all yeah, yeah it, was, and, it was quite good and uh you brought up the the fact that you saw videos of him being accompanied because uh, uh, when we were at the concert, they they announced the guitarist's name, uh, a guy by the name of Stuart Cameron, who's actually been working with him since 2003. And I'd seen this guy before, like in other bands, and Shay and the Heartbroken. Didn't recognize because his hair was different, but uh, he shredded during uh, afternoons and coffee spoons at one solo at the end. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he did a really really good job. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. He's been the one that's been. I've seen him when I've watched online. Yeah, that's been playing with him. And I, I didn't know that him and um, him and Ellen Reed were actually even conversing back and forth. If you look at some of the footage from Brad Roberts that's available on YouTube, it kind of almost looks like he's in the karaoke mood, where he was just you know I'm not yeah. playing a guitar anymore, but I'll get up and I'm singing and kind of ham it up. Yeah. But they were and are actually like a really really good band. Um, I'm hoping that comes back again. They're going to, you know, go on some further projects together. I'd like to see that. I think they just need a good producer to bring them back. Yeah, because uh, doing further research after the show, I didn't realize they had nine albums. They did. The first two were really good, and I don't remember. I bought the third, and that was it, really. I I remember four albums, like, through 1999. And then... uh, they did a couple of newish songs at the concert. I guess the last album they did was in 2010. And it started off as a Brad Roberts solo project, but then he brought Ellen in and I forget who else. You're not talking about Songs of the Unforgiven, are you? No, this one, just as good an album title, Ooh La La. Oh, okay. But here's the deal. They did a song during the show. First of all, they did a section in the middle of the show, which is sort of like unplugged which is pretty cool, like three or four songs. They did a really nice song, which I'd never heard of, uh, called Heart of Stone. You might remember at the concert, he was very happy that people clapped to it because they didn't know it. Yeah. So I went home and I, I found it on Spotify. Okay. And I've listened to it a bunch of times. Yeah? It's a really nice song, actually. I'll have to check it out. There's one he didn't do that actually it's kind of dark in, in, a, in, a, in a Brad Roberts way. But I think it's called I'll Be Peaceful Then or I'll Be... That sounds familiar. It's, it's actually a really, really good song. But um, Heart of Stone, yeah. Uh, go home and check it out. I haven't listened to that whole album. Their final album from 2010, but uh, it's a really nice song. Well, You'll recognize it when you hear it. They had an album called Songs of the Unforgiven. I bought it on CD. I listened to it, and I didn't. There wasn't a lot of Alan Reed on there. It was someone else, which made me think, "Gee, did he find another singer?" Dark, dark album. Songs of the Unforgiven. Like the lyrics are like, "Find those smiles on the faces of the deceased," and then right underneath Mr. Blue Sky for my happy song list. Though. It was pretty dark, but. They can't find that on Spotify either. But oh, okay. Anyway, that's that's the uh, there. So pretty much, 
uh, the four uh, members we've been talking about got back together at the end of 2017, so they've been apart a while. Uh, and I guess the basis of this tour was to tour behind the 25th anniversary of God Shuffled His Feet, mm-hmm. which I think was the first eight songs of the concert. Yes. Um, I got to be honest, I, I, I never owned the album. I, I knew pretty much the singles. Um, you played me some stuff before we went in. Uh, the Psychic, that was The Psychic is a great song. Swimming in Your Oceans, another yeah. great track on there that wasn't a single either. Yeah, I liked the opening, like when they came out to uh, God Shuffled His Feet. That was really cool. Yeah. No, it, it is one of my favorite albums, but a lot of that was due to production, I think, at that time. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who produced the album. Do you remember offhand? No, I don't. I probably should have written it down. It was somebody... I know who he worked with because it was a famous person. Um, oh, I might have read it. Was it a guy from the Talking Heads? Yes, Jerry, yes, it was the guy who worked Harris. with David Byrne. Yeah, and yeah. he worked with David Byrne, and he really pulled some cool stuff out of them on that album. I thought, and I, I kind of, I'm inclined to believe that it's the producer that can do that. Like, if you've got respect for a producer, you're going to try to show them that you're you're worthy of them producing you, and it's yeah. kind of a symbiotic relationship, right? So for that, I think it really, really paid off for what they pulled out. And then they never touched that kind of status after that album. I think yeah. they had 8 million copies with that album, and then I think A Worm's Life would just plummeted right down to... Yeah, the yeah. stuff I was reading, though, that album did better in the States than it did in Canada, with, of all things. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of... I thought that was like, kind of strange. And, and mm, was a top five song, and Weird Al covered it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think people were kind of thirsting for something weird back then, because yeah. lyrically, they've always been totally obscure. And... Yeah. Um, I don't know, it, it worked for that particular time. It was something different, I think. Yeah. Superman's song hit is more of a, a ballad and the uniqueness of his voice, but then to see some of their, I don't know, it's very strange, but yet very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you told me beforehand that it, I was going to like hearing the two of them sing together and it was going to sound beautiful, and it did. It didn't disappoint, actually. No, actually... Well, my son at home, too. I'm trying to play him some of the songs that I think he'd really like, and he still loves the version that they did in the first Noel. Yeah. yeah that's probably one of my favorite collaborations with them. They harmonize beautifully together. But, yeah, they did some really nice um, playing the Superman song. They did some nice harmonizing for that as well. I, yeah. I did find when we saw them, though, that they're out of, they're a bit out of the loop that I don't think they're used to playing with each other yeah. as much. It was still good, but there were some rough spots, but sometimes that's what makes... That's perfection to something, right? I, I noticed he didn't introduce the bass player or the drummer. No. At this show. No. Uh, I don't know if there's any hidden meaning behind that. But I don't know. <laughs> he didn't want to introduce his brother, I guess. But I guess not. Uh, Ellen Reed really impressed me. Like she played uh, accordion on a couple songs. And uh, probably one of my favorite songs of theirs is their cover of Peter Pumpkinhead. Who did that song originally again? Uh, or X- who wrote it? XTC. XTC, yeah. yeah, which I guess only came out a few months before their version. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That was cool. I missed the harmonica on that version at the concert. And uh, just it would have been nice just to hear a let's begin at the beginning. Yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, they did an amazing acoustic version of Afternoons and Coffee Spoons, uh, which is the two of them and the guitar player. Which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was stripped uh, down and it was good. Yeah, most of the concert was stuff from uh, God Shuffled His Feet. 
trying to remember what else they did. They, oh, the, the Ghosts That Haunt Me, they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, Superman song was the encore. Yeah, they didn't do much off of the first album at all. No, two songs. Good. Two songs, two songs yeah. yeah. And then they did two songs off A Worm's Life, yeah. which I know is your favorite album. Mm. Yep. Although I really love the guitar and drums in that song they did. Uh, he liked to feel it. Yeah. Really dumb lyrics, but yeah. the guitar in that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? They were musically. I always found them very, very tight, and I've always said too that like, if you can pull that together and you can make people listen to the music, you can say whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Because they're, you know, it's like they say, the rhythm's going to get you. <laughs> yeah. But musically, yeah, they're they're really, really original. Yeah, it'd be nice to see if they do come back with a new album after all this time. Even if there's not the collaboration with the band that that there is, I'd like to see him and Ellen work together, even on something vocal. Yeah. Like, I think they could really... I I really get the impression from from Brad these days that he's more of a cornball as far as it goes, and I don't know that he takes it seriously anymore, probably for various reasons. I've seen him... If you listen to an album called Crash Test Dude... Oh, yeah. He covers about, it's almost like a karaoke album, but he does, oh, he sings Britney Spears on it. And some of it's really funny, and uh, some of it's got a lot of potential, but I think it's really tongue-in-cheek from his point of view, and I'd like to see somebody actually yeah. discipline him a little more. He uh, he was funny when he would talk between the music during the concert, too. Yeah, he's, he's quite unique. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, I got a kick out of him telling the story before mm-mm, that he was on a show about one-hit wonders, and he was like, I'm a two-hit wonder, thank you. Yeah, what must it be like? Yeah. Another thing I dug at the show, which I haven't seen a lot of in recent years, um, after the show, they actually came out in the lobby and signed stuff and had pictures taken. And, uh, I don't know, I just thought that was really nice. They did that at the beginning when I saw them 28 years ago, but yeah. again, they were a new band. And um, they had actually... Uh, you don't want me to tell them about the hideaway story, do you? Uh, you tell a quick version of this. Quick version is, is they were actually in Saskatchewan, I believe, when they were playing at a, at a place, and the guy from the hideaway, they know the hideaway in St. Catharines, saw them and said, if you're ever playing around, you can play my place for like five bucks a head, and they're like, ha, 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 and, but they did get signed. Uh, Superman song started to catch on, and they kept up the promise, and I, I'm pretty sure, and I never got to ask Brad this, but I think it was the first time that they'd played, maybe not in Ontario, but at least in this area, and it was largely because of that situation, um, but... Yeah, then they were um, they were really approachable. Then um, I had already met the band before, and they were very—I don't know if that's because they were new, but 25 years later, they were still the same. So I can only assume that they're they're really decent people, you know, yeah. like as far as treating their fans well. Yeah, I, I like that. And then they're like, okay, they can sign stuff. If you want a picture of them, come back around the line, and and they'll do it. And I thought that was really nice. And you know what? It was very organized, too, because yeah. everyone just waited their turn. You know, there was no chaotic moments or anything like that. That, that venue was very organized. Yeah, I, I, I like so. that, actually. Yeah. The, the people helping you in your seats were helpful. And, yeah. Because sometimes you don't see that at these venues. No, they had people, like, yeah, the actual ushers, I guess, if they were actually trying to help you. And <laughs> yeah. that one lady, as soon as we got in there, right? Yeah. She was trying to. So, yeah, it was a good experience overall. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, I definitely would go back to this venue, center in the square. I had a great time. Uh, before we end the, the podcast, I want to give a shout-out to uh, William Muir, who uh, was kind enough to give us the reviewer tickets. And I uh, appreciate that. It was a great show, and we had a great time. And 
uh, it was cool having you come in and, and review this with me. Yeah, I appreciate also the, the tickets and the opportunity from William Muir as well. It was, it'd be nice to be able to re- review some other shows at other venues as well. It was uh, it was a good experience overall. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like seeing these older Canadian bands that we, we grew up on in the 80s and 90s, and I hope there's some more of that coming up. I do, too. I also think now that when we saw we were seeing a lot of these bands when they were in the, the height of their fame, it's nice to take a step back when it's a little bit more mellow. There's not a lot of hype, and there's more opportunity for you know yeah. discussion and to, you know rather than just trying to nail tickets down to a show. It, yeah. I appreciated the, how... The small town feel it was. I guess you could say with the with the artists. Please. Yeah, and like like we were talking about at the concert, like Grapes of Wrath is a band we just kind of would have ignored back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So. You know, and Jay, you being a fan of well, pretty much all things media, like I am as well, it's hard to be able to find the time to concentrate on on all these groups individually unless they they really jump out at you. And I found that a lot of these bands that were popular when I was growing up, I just never got the opportunity to to see. So it's funny, like 25 years later, when you're getting into a band that was popular in, like, 1990. (laughs) But at that time, we were going to so many shows, and we were trying to do, you know, caught up in the moment that we never got to. So it's nice to be able to do that, even if it is after the fact. Yeah. It's nice to be able to look back and be able to do it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, though, at the concert, I felt super old when I realized Superman's song came out 28 years ago. Yes. Me too. I remember when it was brand new. I remember seeing the cassette single. Me too. <laughs> I've still got my signed cassette copy. From, that's why I didn't ask for autographs this time, because how, how do you rival a signed cassette copy yeah. of the Ghost of Hami? can't do it. You can. You can. It's impossible. Uh, and on that note, uh, we're going to take our leave of Tim Hortons. And uh, thanks again for coming in this morning, Colin. You're welcome. And, uh, thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for listening. To hear more We Got the Geek, check us out at www.wegotthegeek.com and on iTunes.